0: Slash and cast.
1: up fiends and welcome back to handle a whisk presented by the slash incast podcast network our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize with me tonight to continue our deep dive of religio phobia which is the fear of religion uh armica hosts holly hooch and john and guys tonight uh you know got an interesting uh and a more controversial Uh, horror movie out there. This one's a little divisive within the community in regards to uh, the realistic violence aspect, uh, which we'll get into, uh, because this is not a a movie that is easily digestible when it comes to its violence, Um, but the way that it uses violence, at least in regards to, like, the angle, is kind of unlike a lot of other movies that are kind of, like, within this subgenre, because the movie we're talking about tonight, Martyrs, which came out in 2008, uh, has always kind of, like, carried that, like, torture porn uh, subgenre uh, in regards to it because of uh, just the level of intensity of, you know, just specific scenes in this particular movie.
2: No, I agree, it was my first time watching this movie, and it's a fantastic movie, but, yeah, I definitely get why the audience is split.
3: Hmm. I mean, I'm split on it, myself, <laughs> which we'll obviously talk more in depth about, but, uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, we should definitely stick to talking to this about this movie in order because mm-hmm. of how much the structure of the movie plays into right. everything with this movie, <laughs> you know, um, Especially because it's almost, in some ways, like, each act of the movie is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Almost like an anthology story in a weird way.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> and so, yeah. <clears throat> but I'm definitely split on this movie. But I but you
1: know, I, I, can understand that. Because so, a lot of my friends are kind of, like, the same way. Uh, so, basically, to sum up Martyrs, just kind of, like, in a nutshell, uh, this is a film that really pushes the envelope uh, in regards to the realistic violence, uh, we'll also use said violence as a way to kind of like express, uh, it's it's f- like philosophical like discourse. So basically, what we have here is we have a story kind of like divided into uh, three parts. You know, we kind of got the early, uh, like the first third of the movie, we kind of got like a home invasion going on. Also got, like, part revenge story kind of, like, tied into that. The other part obviously deals with more of the torture. Um, But, you know, as I said, like, the the torture that's displayed in this movie is um, all about an end goal. And the end goal of the movie is to achieve transfiguration, uh, which is basically, like, the moment uh, when the body, through, you know, extreme physical... Uh, suffering, kind of like it goes beyond its sort of, like, awareness of, like, the f- physical state, uh, and you kind of, like, reach transcendence, so to speak. Uh, so we're looking at, like, the state of a martyr uh, is able to see, uh, basically, like, what is beyond death, all of which kind of stems from this pseudo-religious cult and uh, their leader, Uh And, you know, we don't really learn much about that and towards like the very tail end of the movie um but you know it's it was just something that like i remember the first time i saw this movie and after the ending which is very open-ended i will just say that outright if you have not seen this movie uh it is left vague on purpose (laughs) uh in regards to like why things happen the way that they did and you know everyone might have a different interpretation in regards to that um, but but I just remember a, a, at some point I actually wrote a paper about martyrs in school. Really? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it was it was more in tune of uh, like in regards to like current topics in society, more of like the red pill versus blue pill approach to life, because like I I kind of like compared it to. Blue pill essentially being uh, like Disney, you know, people just wanting to live in like their their fantasy world where you know everything is magic and everything has a happy ending. Whereas like martyrs is more the red pill, uh, which is more like the realistic like underbelly, uh, for for lack of a better term. But like that was like way before like we we had like the the other definitions of you know what that is now. Um, But I was just like so enthralled by this movie when I first saw it I'm like, man, like I just cannot stop thinking about this movie uh, because it just it was really jarring at the time because like I'd already seen the other like new French extreme uh, horror movies that came out like around a similar time, but none of them quite hit the same level as this one did for me. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, the beginning, you know, it kind of has it does the thing in the very beginning where it's kind of like the found footage, uh, history of the little girl after she escapes from the warehouse, which is sort of an abandoned warehouse. And she gets out and runs away and then kind of shows her life Mm -hmm. growing up and everything. And the first part of the movie felt a lot to me, like a Japanese, like, uh, horror movie sort of like the grudge you know the Mm one where you have the girl who's escaped from the situation and she has like this is how i was sort of interpreting the first act of the movie was that she sort of has survivor guilt because when she escapes she sees that other woman who's being held captive and then she's haunted by this demon that looks like the woman that she left behind in the place. So I was sort of thinking of it like, oh, it's like, you know, the guilt of getting out but not helping that woman. And now she's kind of tortured by the uh, trauma of being held in that situation and also being kind of tortured by this woman who uh, she left behind to sort of be still stuck in that situation. Mm. And it always felt very, like, traditional uh, Hollywood, you know, and obviously Hollywood made remakes of (laughs) The Ring and The Grudge. And it kind of almost felt like it was going to be that type of movie throughout, but then it takes a a turn, you know, when she goes to the house and uh, starts killing people. One of the things I really like about the beginning and the first half of the movie is that, the movie takes a lot of twists and turns that are not expected, and it does a good job of explaining. It's not just random twists and turns, just to sort of be clever they actually work. Like, I like how when I was watching, I was thinking, you know, she's escaped from this situation, and she, uh, she has this, like, she has to grow up and have her childhood with this whole having gone through the situation. And uh, when she goes to the house to kill the family, I was definitely thinking, you know, and I think you're kind of supposed to think, like, is this family even related? Like, they're probably right. not. Like, she's probably just cracked up so much that now she's just, like, potential. Like, I was thinking, is she just going around killing people and being like, I'm getting revenge for what happened To me, because these people are involved, but actually they're not involved, you know.
2: Well, no, the movie did a really good, um, good job about putting that doubt in our minds that you know that 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 these people that she was attacking were really her aggressors, and Mm -hmm. and I felt really, I mean, you feel really bad, of course, when she starts taking down the kids, teenage boy, okay, but then little girl, yeah, that one, I was like, oh no, not the little girl. And that was really rough, but again, you know, I um, at this point I think it's uh, I think it's so brave of movies to <laughs> to take it that far. So um, I thought that scene was really strong, and it was you know uh, well, it's not the beginning of the movie, but it's what about ten minutes in, maybe less. <clears throat> so I thought it was a really strong start to the movie.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, so as as we kind of mentioned, you know, we kind of, like, open up to a flashback scene uh, with Lucy as she is fleeing, uh, basically uh, kind of like a disheveled uh, slaughterhouse is where okay. she's being held captive. Uh, she's been imprisoned and tortured for uh, more than a year at this point. Uh, and then afterwards, you know, she gets placed in an orphanage. Uh, that's where she meets Anna, who is her best friend, who we're also introduced to pretty early on in the movie. Um, and, you know, like kind of like the recurring, uh, you know, comments we had during Twisted Tuesday as we are watching this is get you a best friend who will, you know, help you hide the bodies, uh, which is exactly what Anna ends up doing, uh, in this case, uh, you know, once all the carnage at the house actually takes place. Uh, but basically, you know, we, we learned really early on that, you know, Lucy... <laughs> Uh, kind of believes that she is being tormented by this, you know, kind of like disfigured woman that John had uh, mentioned earlier, uh, which, you know, he he already hit the nail on the head and in, in, on a coffin in regards to it uh, really tied into her guilt. Uh, and that's when we, you know, fast forward 15 years later uh, when, you know, Lucy comes in, bursting into this house with, you know, a shotgun, basically just going absolutely to town. And I just remember, like, initially... Like when I when I saw it for the first time, as soon as it's like that first shock and blast hit, I'm just like, oh shit! Like, we're we're in this like already, <laughs> and yeah. then it just progressively you know, kick the door in further and further as we as we went into the movie. So like it it was just it was so surreal to see like that display of violence just because like, yeah, we've seen home invasion movies, but a lot of the times it's more of like the the mental torment aspect of the home invasion. You know, it's building the the tension. It's not just kicking the door open and just laying waste every everyone in sight like it was uh, in in this case.
3: Yeah, uh, the way they set up the family and the characters in the, the family, you really think they're going to be main characters, or at least right. that the young daughter is going to probably be a main character that's going to go through the movie.
2: I was really impressed with um, how how invested the goddess to be in the family with such little amount of time and such little amount of dialogue. So <clears throat> I think we might have had, what, like two minutes of dialogue and it was all centered, and it was all centered on uh, the on the teenage boy and the little. Well, no, it was it was it was it's not even centered on any of them, but they all managed to have lines that very effectively displayed their personalities and the relationships that they had with each other. Which you can't. I mean, every, every horror movie tries to do that. You know, we we see that a lot. You know, try to get us invested in the characters that they're about to kill. And for the most part, unsuccessfully. But in this particular family, like you get the impression that you've got um, mom and dad who are trying to get teenage son to be more serious about his life and his studies. You think you get you you also get the impression the mom's a little bit more overbearing. Maybe she wears a little bit more of the pants in the family. You got little girl who's very precocious. She's very um, <clears throat> uh, just a happy little kid, and and uh, you get invested in that as well. Like you. You understand the family unit. You understand the family dynamic, and they made that happen in like less than two minutes. So I, I was, and, and if it wasn't for that amount of investment, then you can't buy into the amount of doubt that they're selling you in the in the balance or in the remainder of that uh, of that scene where they're being gunned down, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to believe that. Well, you already believe that. You know, you 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 love these kids. You, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's a strong word. You care about these kids, so you don't want to see them hurt. And then you're like, well, even if their parents are guilty, they don't have anything to do with this. So why are they paying for this? Mm. And then the parents, you're like, well, we only saw the mom or we only saw the blonde woman that was uh, tormenting um, Lucy when she was a little kid. You know, maybe dad doesn't even wasn't even involved. Is, is this even the woman, you know, just because she's blonde? And so they, they did a really good job of, uh, of seeing that amount of doubt in the viewer so that that is, that scene was thoroughly effective <clears throat> really brutal
3: really great yeah it, they introduce the char- yeah, they introduce the characters like they're going to be mm-hmm. real characters in the movie <laughs> usually in uh true more you know traditional horror movies you know who the people are that are going to die are because they're just like the the like mannequin characters that
2: two dimensional killed. Yeah.
3: And so the way that these characters are introduced is you're certain that at least a couple of them are going to be main characters of the story.
2: Well, uh, maybe that's a good device. I mean, even for movies where they don't, maybe the word isn't ineff- ineffective. I mean, I've been accusing them of that just now, but maybe because of the tone of the movie that they're choosing, they don't want you to feel bad about the cheerleader getting like shot in it, or, you know, getting a, kidnapped and and murdered you know they yeah. it's a fun slasher film so they want you to like only be invested enough to care that they die but also enjoy the kill mm-hmm. so it's it's a different type of movie and i I'm, i'll go ahead and take it back a little bit and say that maybe it's not them being ineffective but more just uh playing on uh, being very conscious of the tone that they want the movie to have this yeah. particular tone you know they were very effective in how they they got us in into the whole scene So, thumbs up for martyrs on that.
3: Playing on Mm -hmm. your expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, That you wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't possibly just kill these characters right away um, after doing all this setup. You know, you you don't. But it's good because it's you know helps with the realism and makes it. You know, they do a lot of this movie where you, they you know subvert your expectations, uh-huh. as they say, uh, where, you know, you think because of, there's like this normal Hollywood language for telling stories, you think you know what's going to happen based on how the right. story is going and the characters are being done, but then they, you know, switch it up and change things. And, and it also, it's good because it makes you care about the characters. And then what's cool is that you already are kind of sympathetic for... The girl who was kidnapped, and you're kind of already on her side, and then right. they introduce the family, and they make you like them. So then, when she starts killing them, you don't know what to feel, really, because, mm-hmm. uh, like I was saying earlier, you don't really feel like they're the that they the family is actually involved in what's going on. You feel like she's making a mistake, but you also like her because yeah. you want her to be like the hero. Uh so it's you're just like, oh no, like she's just like off going off the rails and just killing mm-hmm. people, you know?
2: Well you don't get like that sense of vindication. You get uh chaos, right? Mm-hmm. You're unsettled, you don't know what to feel, and that's that's exactly how they, they want you to feel.
3: Mm-hmm. Like you want of course like with a movie like sister like you want her, you want this to be like a revenge Right, where she is going to get revenge on the people who did this to her. Which uh, she
2: sort of does! Yeah, which was
3: <laughs> uh, one of the twists coming up, of course, is that uh, we find out that, in fact, the the parents, probably both parents, yeah, no, definitely both parents are were involved actually, in involved the... Yeah. In, were the ones who were doing that. I love, actually, the moment, there's a moment where they show when they're setting up the family, they show a news clipping on the refrigerator that says how the uh, daughter was like the champion, like swim meet.
2: Oh yeah.
3: She won like a swim meet. And uh, what's great is when uh, the main girl, I forget what her name is in the movie. Anna? Anna, yeah. Anna, if I say it with their accent. Uh, <laughs> but, um,
2: it's French, John.
3: <laughs> uh, but um, when the girlfriend comes in, or really the friend who wants to be the girlfriend, I think right that's the idea um, when she comes in and she's like, "Are you sure it was them?" Uh, she shows her the news clipping of the little girl, the swim meet thing, and, and the parents are circled, and she's like, "Yes, look, like it's them." But it's kind of cool because it's just that same article from the refrigerator that talks about the swing meat. There's like nothing in the picture or in the article that would be any sort of proof that just they ones, yeah. you know, on this
2: uh, grainy newspaper. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So it's still like her proof that it's them. You're still just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And of course, when uh, Anna actually, you know, arrives after Lucy shotguns down the family, you know, you already have like that sort of like hesitation and that horrifying look on her face, just like taking the whole scene in. Uh, But, you know, she ultimately decides to help Lucy with, you know, cleaning up the crime scene a little bit. Yeah, they stage it a little bit in regards to like the bodies uh, propped up in the bathroom. Um, but, you know, we also see Anna outside in the rain, you know, dragging the corpses, you know, through to bury them in, like, the backyard, uh, essentially. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, while this is happening, you know, we, we also come to find out that, uh, you know, when, when Anna comes back inside, like, she finds uh, Gabriel, which is the the mother, uh, in this case, uh, is still alive. And she tries to help uh, the mom escape, And of course, you know, (laughs) of course, Lucy finds this out and, uh, you know, things just escalate again at that point. But, you know, it's it's one of those situations like if you're Anna here, it's just like, well, you want to be there for your friend. But at the same time, you know, you're still like trying to save a life. And, you know, maybe you don't know, like the full picture of everything that happened to uh, Lucy, you know, back when she was a kid and being tortured by uh, this family, at at least supposedly, uh, which, you know, came to be true in this case um but you know it's it's all there and we also have like the demonic woman that lucy is seeing uh who you know resembles another one of the victims and you know there's a lot of like deep cuts in this movie quite literally uh in regards to the violence aspect and i just i i remember the first time when i saw it when we got to Uh, The scraping of the back in particular, like ripping off the flesh. I went so hard in that particular scene where I'm just like, holy shit, like I was taken back by it because, you know, yes, we we've seen like a lot of violence in in cinema um, but just the way that this one was displayed and just like seeing all the markings, whether it was on Lucy or any of the other victims, it just felt like it was just taken to a completely different level. And I I don't know if there's been another movie since that has like made me feel like that same sort of way. Sure, like we all have like certain uh triggers, like eye trauma, for example, when we're talking about like Jallo films, perfect example. I cannot stand eye trauma in in cinema. Like that's like the only other thing that like really drives me up the it wall. It comes up a lot, and it's 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 a frequent one. So like anytime it's, I'm just like, I mean I will still watch it, but it's just like I don't want to look away. Like I cannot deal with this. But the flailing of the back in this movie, uh, definitely got to me. Just I I'd say like the like toward the third act when we see like the final stage. That one didn't impact me as much just because, like, it wasn't quite as visceral. But, like, we've also kind of mm-hmm. seen, like, the whole, uh, like, inside-out aspect in regards to, like, Hellraiser, for example. Yeah.
2: I was just thinking that the part in the movie that um, that got me the most, which I guess it's a little weird that it's not the skinning part, the skin to life part. But um, the, the beatdowns that she receives from that massive dude were the mm-hmm. ones that I... Like I, um, at one point Joe joined me for the movie and it was right before that, that started. And, um, you know, I quickly explained to him the, the premise of the movie. So, you know, because I was always like, what are you watching? So, uh, and, and so I, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, we can turn it off if you want. I can finish it later. And he's like, no, that's fine. But, um, you know, when I'm watching horror movies, my brain works over time to tell, mm-hmm. to try to tell apart what, uh, how, how it's fake. Right. So my, my brain works over time to say, Oh, uh, you know, you know, this is a suit. This is this, this is that. And so the more outlandish something is, the more my brain is easy. It easily says, you know, this is how it's fake. But when things seem, um, are, are closer to reality, that's when my brain like, isn't like, doesn't know how to do that very well. And so the scenes where this gigantic dude is just punching Anna like full force in the stomach. And like, and beating her so like savagely like that, like I, you know, I found myself kind of looking away a little bit. And again, like it's not the most extreme scenes, but it's the ones that seem so close to like, that's what it would look like if it was real, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, yeah. And so that's the, I'll say that that was, that was really, that was really upsetting actually. Yeah.
3: Yeah. For me, like that part is brutal where that, first razor attack happens. But for me, I was that part didn't bother me as much because the movie is still like in the realm of traditional horror movie at that mm-hmm. point. And uh is more like in the <clears throat> sort of like I was, you know, for my it's since it's my first viewing, I was still in that mode of like the demon, you know, is this a movie where the demon creature is real and actually haunting her and attacking her or is it you know her hallucinating it um and it's a manifestation of her guilt and it's it's her like cutting herself and doing it to herself That part that part was yeah and so what's interesting is when the when it jumps on her back and is cut <laughs> back, and then she shows the other girl. I guess Anna's the other girl and Lucy's the, the <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, I was like, oh, well that's kind of like proof that the creature she's is real, real because yeah. she's cut in places where she couldn't reach herself uh, to do it on herself. Uh, and so I was like, oh, okay, well that's maybe what's going on. And then they pretty quickly after that show actually show the thing attacker again when it when she cuts her arms and uh, you see that she is actually cutting herself in that attack but um but no I was still kind of in the movie mode for that and that's brutal I mean, it, though and it does kind of remind me of Hellraiser 2. When uh, the guy is cutting himself with a straight razor, like that, Hellraiser Two is a pretty comic booky kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like take place in the real world with real world <laughs> violence, but that one part is really disturbing though in that movie, mm-hmm. and it happens pretty early on. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, I, and uh, it is super violent, but I still kind of had it in that like movie violence mode, you know, but which will change as we come up, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, So we also, uh, in regards to, like, Gabriel still being alive, that doesn't really last too long because right. uh Lucy does just bash her to death with a hammer repeatedly. Like, it's there, like, 14 times or however many times it was. And, you know, that's another thing though, where it's, like... I, you got her, and she's still just wailing away constantly. You just see all the blood splatter, uh, so definitely over the top uh, in in that regard. And then, of course, you know she's attacked by uh, you know the quote demonic woman uh, again at that point, and uh, that's when we got the reveal because they do like the back shot of. -hmm. Lucy as she's cutting herself, and of course, you know, like with the cuts, it's very slow, very methodical, and you see all the blood start to pour out of her body as she's making a cut. I mean, there, there are just scenes in this movie that are beautiful, but so fucking visceral. It's just like, man, some places. Mm
2: -hmm. And really, like that was a really interesting aspect of the of the movie, right? Like, I'll, I'll, I mean, I don't think consider this a spoiler, but. The movie does such a really good job of keeping uh, uh, giving away revelations throughout the movie. Like Mm -hmm. every 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 five to ten minutes, there's a big reveal, Mm -hmm. and only to have an ending that's no reveal at all. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was you know that was uh, interesting, a little frustrating, but uh, mostly really
3: interesting. Yeah. No. As we get to the, uh, you know, yeah. No. The first. You know, hour of the movie is really well paced, and uh, the storytelling and the plot is moving forward. And as you say, we're we're like learning. It's like we have these confusing situations, and then we learn what's actually going on, and it makes sense, and we learn more about the story, and it does a really, really good job of just like keeping things moving forward in an interesting way and subverting your expectations and doing twists and turns. And like, I don't know if I'm jumping up too far ahead, but we actually get to the point where Lucy gets killed.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know if I'm, you know, jumping too far ahead by mentioning this, but this is like another moment similar to like when she starts gun immediately gunning down the family and, all of that stuff where we kind of have this big twist. Like we thought the family were going to be characters. You know, we thought there'd be more to it, but it just turns into this crazy murder. And then that's all explained. And then suddenly the person who we thought was essentially the main, main character of the story gets killed. And I remember, you know, this happens, you know, close to an hour in maybe, um, And I was, you know, of course, immediate first reaction was, well, now where is the story going to go? Because they've changed things so much now by killing uh, Lucy that, like, what's, where is this going now? But I was thinking that in a good way, not in the, like, oh no, like, what, you know, what the hell, this was lame, but more just like, okay, cool, like, I'm in for the ride and they've done a good job of, twisting and turning the story. So when they do kill her, you know, I was like, okay, like what's going to happen next now?
1: And of course, um... Oh, go
2: ahead. I was just going to say that, um, I guess one of the biggest reveals at the end of the movie that we start kind of seeing in this particular part is, um, Anna's character. Right. So, um, and how she is basically the perfect martyr. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, in the movie, there's a, uh, There's a, you mean a
3: Anna or Lucy. Anna, the friend. The friend,
2: yeah. And so, you know, earlier in the movie, we see her like kissing Lucy, and Lucy saying like, "What are you doing?" So, you know, you kind of uh, put a little bit of of logic behind her behavior uh, into the idea that she's in love with Lucy, and so that's why she's doing all of this, right? You mm-hmm. know, she didn't entirely believe her. Uh, but she went along with it anyway, because she loves her so much. And in this sort of, in a, in a romantic way that, you know, most of us can understand going above and beyond what would be normal, but really, you know, by, as the movie goes along, you start understanding that, you know, Anna's is just a deeply merciful and loving person. And, and, and essentially like the perfect victim for this organization that is is has put everything into motion. But again, like that was a slow reveal. You kind of put different reasons behind her behavior. But by the end of the movie, you realize like she's she potentially, because uh, I do believe there was a little bit of doubt on her part about what Lucy was saying, but potentially she did believe Lucy entirely. Mm-hmm. And the only reason she helped uh, the woman who had uh, Gabrielle, the woman who had been the initial aggressor against Lucy. It's because she was seeing somebody who was suffering and was trying to protect them and alleviate their pain. So I thought that was an interest. At least that was something that I picked
3: up on that I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think she still had some doubt, though, mm-hmm. that this was the right family. Like, she was willing to help Lucy mm-hmm. and, and do the whole thing <laughs> with her. But I think she... Because she kind of, like, tries to keep Lucy away from her when she's helping the uh, the woman who's been shot because she's like, I'll be there in a minute. And mm-hmm. she's you know, like, where are you? What are you doing? Yeah. And she's kind of trying to help her get out of the house. And I think that's also partly because she's just like, well, I'm not totally sure what's going on. Uh, so I'll help her escape. But I mean, it is kind of interesting, though, too, that she goes as far. Like, a lot of uh, what Anna does, I can... Kind of see and it makes sense, but it, it does get a bit over the top though when she's literally like dumping the bodies into the pit. This <laughs> is like, oh my god, like she is fully one hundred percent going above and beyond in helping uh, Lucy, where she, uh, which was I wouldn't do convenient. that for
2: you, John. Just to be clear, I'm <laughs> not
0: gonna dispose of any bodies for you.
3: And it was very convenient that they that they the family happened to dig that pit earlier so that they could fix the broken water pipe uh, that had the mouse in it. Remember? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So it was very convenient that pit was there so that they could. I kinda
2: forgot about it. that. I thought that Lucy and Anna did it. I was you like, know, that's a really, nice, that's that's a really nice hole.
1: Sometimes you have the perfect like shoehorned in the moments. Mm-hmm. A lot of other horror movies would not have done it. You'd be like, why the fuck is there a hole here? No reason. <laughs> you know.
2: <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. There was a scene where the mom is in there and, uh, yeah, crawling out and, at the beginning. Kind of forgot about
1: that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as we mentioned, Lucy does end up killing herself. You know, we kind of got the visual of her uh, just trying to, like, alleviate, like, just her mental suffering after being tortured. Uh, and she ends up slit in her own throat. Uh, and, you know, she also kind of like bashes her head against the wall repeatedly uh, as well, which was pretty brutal. Uh, so the next morning is when we see Anna basically on the phone, uh, basically talking to uh, her her mother. Her her mother's pretty abusive uh, from what we can gather in regards to like the phone call. Uh, and that's when she discovers that there is this secret passageway in the home's living room, which kind of like leads to this subterranean chamber. Um, So if you guys have seen like Barbarian, you kind of know what to expect Mm -hmm. here. Uh, You know, we're not measuring for property value like Justin Long was. uh, But in this case, uh, you know, there there is a lot going on in regards to the basement of this house. Uh, And of course, you know, this is where all of the women have been imprisoned. Uh, so, like, this is like the eye-opening moment. Like, oh shit! Like, Lucy, you know, was right about uh, you know this family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you no, know, right, right off the bat, like, we we see one of these victims, and you know, Anna again tries to uh, rescue her. Obviously, you know, she's kind of like at a different stage from uh, what Lucy had kind of been put through, because there are different stages in regards to like becoming a martyr. Uh, in but what is of, like, the, the stage series? where you
2: get a helmet put on your head that's permanent? I don't know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that felt a bit, especially compared to uh, the rest of what was going on overall, mm-hmm. that did feel like very like stylized, mm-hmm. like, like Hellraiser kind of thing. She has like the metal bikini mm-hmm. and the uh, the metal mask that's all perfectly clean and polished.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like we we did kind of see how it's done in regards to like Anna, like later on in the movie. But like she kind of got treated differently in regards to like this particular woman, uh, because like in this case, like you know, you kind of like have that steel blindfold uh, that is basically just been stapled uh, into the woman's skull. Uh, and, you know, that scene in particular is pretty brutal, too, because, you know, you see the woman uh, basically getting put into the bathtub and, you know, you're trying to, like, pry mm-hmm. uh, the staples out of the head and just the amount of blood that comes out. Like, it's it's another one of those brutal scenes. And, of course, you know, when she rips the helmet off, too, you kind of like have the uh, demaskin, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, but, you know, Anna's like really on top of things, like quickly, like wraps a towel uh, over the woman's head to you know help help with all of the the blood loss uh, in this case, but man, like that shit was like really in there.
3: I was definitely thinking, you know, you could just like maybe you should just wait for the paramedics and the doctors. You could call the cops and the and the fire department, and then they can take the staples out. You don't have yeah. to. take the stables out yourself right now
2: why would you hang around you know a a murder scene
3: like that? (laughs) yeah no i i one of the things uh and it's it ends up being explained but one of the things i kept thinking was they're just they've been hanging out in this house for like two or three days now yeah no cops have shown up, and nobody's tried to call or find out what happened to the family who have now, you know, dropped out of complete communication with everybody for several days. But it does end up kind of working that that happened because once we find out that they're part of that organization, um, it then makes sense that cops or nobody ever really showed up. Although eventually people do show up, but it's not the police, but
0: mm-hmm.
3: but also, I was a little bit confused, too, because the woman she finds underneath looked to me to be the same woman who was who she saw when she was escaping 15 years earlier. I think it was, right? Which I guess means that that same woman has been in there for, like, over 15 plus 15 years. years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I it was cool, but it definitely had that kind of saw element to it mm-hmm. her setup, which felt a little out of place with the way the rest of the movie was being done, you know? And, and you know, as we kind of mentioned with later with the skimming and stuff, it felt kind of Hellraiser ish too, um, a bit Cenobite like. Uh, but,. Um, But then, yeah, no, I was definitely like, okay, you don't have to be the one who takes the mask off. You can just call the pair. A
2: medical professional.
3: Let them deal with it. And then there's another twist that Mm -hmm. happens, of course, at this point, which is then she gets taken out Uh (laughs) and secret Matrix agents speaking of (laughs) red pill and blue pill um, Uh um, some Matrix agents show up in, in black trench coats and not looking like any part of any government agency or anything like that.
2: It was a really um, cool scene to see the 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 woman in the middle bikini, as you call it, um, sort of running around the house, blind, you know, blindly because she's got the mask on and just uh, basically, you know, leaving her mark on all these like perfectly clean walls. Well, mm-hmm. what's left of the perfectly clean walls after the the family massacre. But it it was I don't know like the just, juxtaposition if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was a very um, it was a cool scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, and uh, on on top of that too, it's like this is the second time in this movie you know out or, well second time including in uh, Lucy uh, that we you know kind of like understand like in regards to all the trauma they've been put through. They had both reached like this point where they were hallucinated and seeing things. In Lucy's case, it was, uh, you know, the reflection of her guilt. Uh, the woman in the bikini was basically hallucinating that she had bugs crawling all over her body. So right. like we would see her like grab the knife and like try to like essentially just like shave them off, uh, which was pretty rough, uh, as yeah. well. But man, it's just like, you know, it kind cool. of reminded me of a bug.
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: Another and another also, throwback,
3: <laughs> and again, and also again, Hellraiser too, because he uh, cuts—he's cutting bugs off himself. The guy with the razor and Hellraiser too. Uh, but yeah, this pretty brutal. But again, still at this point for me, very much still in the realm of a horror movie, like in the horror movie world, not like the real world, you know. Mm-hmm. Because now we're coming to the point where, um, this and this, you know, where I think, as you mentioned, people are split on the movie. Uh, this is where it happens, as far as I, I would think. Like, I definitely the violence leading up to this is pretty extreme and uh, realistic and and real. But to me, I feel like the the kind of break where I think maybe people start to get uncomfortable with it in a more real way is when uh, Anna then gets they decide to kill the woman with the mask and then uh, take Anna and make her the new experiment basically. Yeah. That was
2: a huge bummer.
3: And I guess for me it's like it's not just the violence, and because like the uh, part where she then gets captured, you know, she, it basically, as you mentioned, Holly, excuse me, burping. Um, you know, she they just start beating her. Basically, it's not like stylized horror movie violence anymore. It's it's just like real world violence at this point. And they're like force feeding her and beating her, and uh, one of the problems, even beyond the violence that I kind of have at this <clears> point, <throat> of this movie, is that it for me it feels like the story basically just kind of stops at this point because up at, for the first hour up until this point this movie's just been like boom 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 things are happening we're moving the, the story moving along yeah yeah we're just like cruising at a fast pace like mm-hmm. things are happening left and right and then once she gets kidnapped and ends up in that situation it's just like she gets fed she gets beaten and then she's in the chair and then they feed her and then they and then she pees. yeah mm-hmm. and, yeah and it's like and that goes on for about 25 30 minutes Oof. continuously like i was watching the clock because i was just kind of like Okay, what the fuck at this point, you know? Because it, like I say, like this, it feels like the story stops and then the violence becomes extremely realistic and it becomes like a much more real situation. And it, and it, and it it, it goes continuously. And I did feel like, you know, they could have done this with a montage. Mm -hmm. This could have been like, five minutes instead of 25 minutes you know and so i was kind of like all right what the hell is going on at the you know i was this is where i kind of like started to be like eh, like i'm not digging this you know so much anymore
2: yeah i'm not liking
3: this <laughs> i'm not enjoying <laughs> this <laughs> this is too re- it's got too <laughs> real
2: mom
1: <laughs> well torture's not meant to be fun no
2: yeah what we we review horror movies for fun <laughs> but the, yeah, Well, watching I, I,
1: bad I, watching bad horror movies may be torture but you know reviewing them is fun but you know this is this is not the same thing
3: <laughs> no and and what's funny is like uh you know to- the term torture porn comes up of course mm-hmm. and i believe in the like the funny thing is is the term torture porn and like on one hand makes me think of like this is what prudes call horror movies in general mm-hmm. you know like when people who are really hate horror movies are just like oh like i don't watch horror movies that's torture porn mm-hmm. and it's, it's like an absurd concept but but i actually do believe in the concept of torture porn and that there are movies and that literally it's like porn where in a porn movie the the most important thing is the sex and then any story or characters are secondary to mm-hmm. so that you know the sex is the main thing so torture porn is where the torturing of the character is the primary thing and uh, the story and the plot are secondary and the thing is is like uh a lot of people call uh what Solid. do you call it? Um, or, well, Saw.
2: Or hostile and,
3: Or hostile is what I was going to say. <laughs> Tor- those were kind of like the early torture, got slapped with that label. But I feel like, uh, I feel like Hostel is kind of nothing compared to this movie, at least compared to the 30 minutes of this movie. Because hostels is always kind of stays firmly in that fantasy horror realm. Right. And, and there are like, horrific things that happen and it is like a brutal the violence is brutal in that movie but it always feels like a hollywood horror movie whereas this movie like in those 30 minutes uh comes across so much more realistic and brutal and less like oh we're having fun with our crazy horror movie, you know? It, it, it's not, like I said before, like, it's its not fun anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I guess the reason I, com- like, complain about it um, and, and kind of didn't like it was that the movie was basically fun up until this point, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like we were kind of in that fun horror world even though there was some brutal violence happening and now and you're feeling so, a little complicit because you're so yeah, much and then it's like When it gets to this, it's like, yeah. I don't like this anymore. I want, the, I want Anna to beat up the big guy.
1: <laughs> that's, I mean, essentially, that's, that's what you're waiting for. Like, at one point, yeah. is she yeah. just going to get tired of this shit and, like, actually start to fight back? Uh, and when she does start to do that, it, it I wouldn't say it was in more of a playful manner, but, like, she was just so worn out that, like, she just didn't really have the strength uh, to like really hit the guy. Uh, but you know, before that, you know, when uh before she was captured, that's when you know we we see you know the Matrix agents or in this case, I guess the fun police in John's case, uh, coming in to capture her. Uh, that's when we are introduced to uh, the secret society's leader. Uh, who, you know, kind of just like explains, uh, you know, who they are and like what the deal is. Basically, they're trying to unlock the secrets to the afterlife by, you know, the creation of martyrs uh, in this case. And, you know, basically summing up like, you know, we, we kind of do this. We capture good women. Uh, and, you know, we uh, just put them through systematic acts of torture, which, of course, we are immediately introduced to uh, in this case. Um, but, you know, I, I already I already talked about, like, kind of, like, the thought presses behind it, at least in regards to their case at the start of the episode. Um, but, you know, it, it's all about, like, getting the vision of what happens after you die. Um, and, you know, of course, like, in regards to just religion as, as a whole, you know, that is a, a really big thing. You know, just, like, what is afterlife? Like, is there, like... Is everything rainbow and sunshine? Like is there is there heaven and hell? And and whatnot. Uh, but you know, in this case, you know, when when the torture starts, you know, yes, it, it goes on for quite some time. Um, you know, it's a it's a rinse and repeat type thing. And it, it basically shows you uh, kind of like the inner workings of like this secret society. You know, there there is a man and a woman. You know, the man is the one doing all the feeding and the beating in this case. Uh, you know, the woman is making the the puree that is basically being force fed to, you know, whoever they're torturing. And the woman is also the one who uh, gives a sponge bath in this case to to the girls. I thought that was an interesting touch, too. Like, I wouldn't say like it was aggressive because, you know, the woman was a, a definitely softer, uh, you know, with you know, whatever subject they were working on at the time. Um, but it, it definitely wasn't super soft either it was kind of like a weird balance between the two where it's like yeah like you're you're easier on me than the guy is but you know this still sucks because like you're not doing anything to help me in this case either
2: yeah it was interesting that um i don't know if, if that the reason that the woman and the man were working together in that way was uh i definitely got the impression that the there were instances where she was allowed to fight back right so uh, when he, uh, they're in the hallway and he's standing sort of at a distance and she's not cons- uh, she's not restrained at all, and so she makes a run for it. And then, of course, when he's beating her and he stands back and, or turns his back to her and then she tries to beat him back. So I think that he's encouraging her to fight back in order to start programming her with the idea that it's futile like thats It's completely pointless. Like you can fight back all you want. You don't have the strength. You don't have the resources. You might as well give it up. And then you have the woman over here with some amount of a small amount of nurturing, which would be the feeding and the, and the sponge bathing. And I'm wondering if that's also just supposed to create, um, a routine for her that it's never going to end. Like we, we want you fed and we want you not smelling too bad, but this will continue for as long as we want. So that again, just to sort of uh, get her to experience as much misery psychologically and physically as possible. Right.
3: Mm -hmm. We of course meet the, the kind of the person who's leading the experiment, which is the old French lady who has that turban hat, uh, which I don't, is that a turban? You would probably know, Holly. is that a turban? Would that be what that's called?
2: That's called that. Even in the fashion ones that I've seen and that are currently for sale are still called, called turbans. But, you know, but I, I,
3: just, know I, I love because that's such the, like, classic, like,
2: rich old, old lady hat.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, the old French lady with her turban. Like, it's such the classic thing. and She, she was a cool character. I liked her, but she kind of explains everything that's going on uh, with the experiment and and, and all that. Uh, and it does start to, at this point, feel a bit like a hammer horror movie in a way. Right. Um, there's a movie called The Devil Rides Out, which is my favorite hammer horror movie uh, about a satanic cult of ultra rich people who are trying to summon the devil uh to onto earth and uh, they're like a super secret organization of old you know rich ultra rich families that have been around forever and that's kind of what's going on with this this organization that does this experiment is there you know this group of ultra rich you get the feeling like it's those old european families that have been around for hundreds of years and are ultra rich and are pulling the strings behind the scene and they're running this experiment where they want to find out what is going on what is the deal with the afterlife and what what's and of
2: course they're all elder elderly so Mm -hmm. the time in your life where you might be the most curious about it and if you have the resources although you know the ending was really curious um i don't know if i if that's jumping ahead or if you want to talk a little bit more about um where where anna finally reaches martyrdom before we move on to the ending
3: <coughs>
2: sorry I got, very, I got allergies like, what's that
3: which also felt very hellraiser ish uh, <laughs> yeah we get a giant like
1: hellraiser <laughs> no i mean it's a, it's a good parallel though
3: it is yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, first of all, you know, she looks that they do the skinless thing mm-hmm. is a big thing. They left and her
2: they, face. That everything. was kind. <laughs> uh, but also,
3: uh, I was like, the, the twist of this movie should be that this whole story took place in hell and that they're actually creating the next Cenobite. And that, uh, <laughs> Anna is going to now become a Cenobite because she's the one who... <laughs> like, endured the most. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I got the... Uh, I, I went the more depressing route, which is... So, yeah, like you were saying, you know, the, these are likely the oldest... Because I think, you know, the, the richest families in the world have been the richest families in the world since... Yeah. Uh, you like know, for a long, long family. time. Yeah. And um, you get the sense that these people believe in an afterlife which is why they're sort of chasing this information but they don't believe that they're subject to um, any punishment spe- mm-hmm. you know considering how how they're going about you know getting this information the amount of you know they, they talked about young women and children that's you know that those were their targets for, for martyrdom and, and complete and utter torture and so this idea that uh, that rich people are not only above the law, but they're above, you know even theoretically God's law, if people believe in such a thing. Mm-hmm. And they're com- they they're, they're completely uh, just you know, they're, they're not they're completely unbothered by the idea that they might be punished because they're supporting intense, brutal you know uh, uh, torture. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know you you kind of also that kind of leads you into a secondary conclusion, which is maybe they're not. And maybe, you know, that is an element of the existence of God that, you know, that that um, some people are subject to punishment and some are and others are not. And it's not dependent on whether you're a good person or not.
1: Yeah, it's like, well, we're not the ones, <laughs> you know, doing a and So our hands are clean in this situation.
3: <laughs> definitely. First of all, you definitely not me, yes. the case.
1: <laughs>
3: but they, and I think their methods are flawed. Uh, I think. The movie doesn't address it directly, but I think uh, they're going about it the wrong way, basically. Because the woman, the old French woman, makes a comment about how these aren't near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. They're trying to achieve martyrdom with these people and not just have them have a near-death experience. Hallucination, yeah. But in reality, and since this movie feels like it really is meant to sort of take place in the real world, th- there isn't like that demon woman wasn't really a demon, <laughs> it wasn't just in the person's head. Um, right. And they're trying to find out if there is a supernatural world or not. Um, but I feel like they are, it's not addressed directly in the movie, but that they're going about it the wrong way and that they are in fact really just doing near death experiences where they're essentially torturing people to the point of yeah. death and then trying to find out what experience they're having at that point where mm-hmm. they die, which really, that is the definition of a, of a near death experience. Um, but they're trying, they're kind of like, no, 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 we're smart people. And we're going to act, we're actually trying to do martyrdom because, you know, uh, like, I, th- I think their whole plan sort of is based on uh, Jesus martyrdom, where when Jesus is on the cross and he's about to die, he literally communicates directly with God who responds back to him and then takes him up to heaven. And so that's what they're trying to achieve with their people is seeing if they can get someone to that point where God will actually communicate with that person directly and confirm that they're okay. In
1: yeah, because yeah, because at this point, um, you know, after Anna's brutally beaten and degraded uh, in that 25 minute torture uh sequence, uh, we learned that Anna's actually like the first one of the subjects to actually reach the final stage there had been like three or four of the girls who had made it to you know the the metal uh head visor or blindfold and uh you know the bikini uh but all of them had suffered you know those hallucinations at that point that was the first one to uh you know reach this point where you know we see her get inflated alive uh which you know we we know she survives in this case uh, and that's when she enters like this sort of ecstatic state as is kinda of like how they described it. That's when we see Mademoiselle uh, arrive in very eager to like learn about like what's actually happened here. And there is a conversation that takes place between her and Anna, uh, where Anna's basically whispering something into her ear, basically like telling uh Madame like what, what she had seen at this point. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's this really great sequence uh, with the the pupils of the eyes. And that was really trippy, like, the the first time. Uh. Oh,
3: right. What happened? Was it Anna?
2: Yeah, it's Anna sort of uh, her pupils kind of morphing in a cinematic way into, like, uh, the light opening up and Mm -hmm. heavens sort of exposing themselves itself or
3: whatever you're going down a tunnel of yeah right which looks exactly like the tunnel of clouds that they drive down in monty python the meaning of life when (laughs) when death comes to that dinner party and everybody dies and then they get in their cars and they drive to heaven Mm -hmm. the tunnel they go down it looks exactly like the tunnel in this movie i have to say but um and and then yeah uh one thing, one nitpick too that I have to bring up is that uh, they get her to they get Anna to that point as you mentioned and uh, the the leader woman, you know they show her kind of driving up really fast in her car with like an entourage of people with them and they kind of hurriedly run into the house to to go uh, you know find out what's happening. And I was like, are you serious? Like, if you're doing this experiment and you're trying to find out what the, you know, meaning to life, the universe and everything is by doing this, and you're bringing people to the brink of death and finding out, like, you need to be on site when that happens. (laughs)
2: But it's been 15 years, John. That's such a long time to wait.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. But it's just like, how, how shitty would it be to... She's like driving up running into the house and they're like, oh sorry, Anna already died. she just died like 30 mm-hmm. seconds yeah she what?
1: she should have been on site when they started to uh flate her. her yeah
3: yeah totally they should have been like we're beginning the final process you need to be here um but no I mean I'm just kidding when I was like, come on it's a, it's this is important you need to be there uh but um, Yeah, and then she whispers to the woman and then the woman immediately goes into the room and takes her false eyelashes off and then kills herself, uh, which I thought was a funny detail.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, why take off your makeup before you kill yourself?
3: (laughs) And I do have a little bit of a nitpick about this ending as well. (laughs) But I guess we can talk about, obviously, what we think, like, (laughs) she whispered to the woman. But... I feel like, I mean, it's it, it feels like we're meant to assume that what she whispered to her was obviously bad, was something bad, Potentially. and then she killed herself. But I feel like, well, no, I know, that's the thing. Because it, it's like, I feel like, why would you, why would it inspire her like, to kill herself? Like, I get the fact that they were going for the fact that, like, what she told her was like so earth shattering that she was just like, I'm killing myself. Like I can't, you know, process this or I can't, I don't want to deal with this. Well,
2: if she told her, I don't know. Like, I mean, if, if she killed her, uh, I guess what I'm, what I wanted to say, and let me collect my thoughts is that if the afterlife had any semblance of like right or wrong, you wouldn't want to kill yourself, right? <laughs> You'd want to maybe want to go confess alive. or something before. <laughs> maybe go no, repent it's... real quick before you get sent upstairs.
3: Well, the, I, That's the thing, right? Is It's like, okay, so Anna potentially says to her, okay, heaven is real. So the woman that immediately kills herself because she's like, well, fuck this. I want to go. If heaven's real, I want to go right now. Uh, I don't I'm not staying here Um, or Anna says, you know, heaven is real. And so is hell. Like, you know, Christian religion has it right. And Mm -hmm. exactly like what they say. Then she would not want to kill herself. Right. Like, I'm going to go to hell if I die. I want to stay alive as long as possible.
2: Or it could be, you know, there's the another possibility that there's nothing there, period. That uh, that she can tell her that I'm not seeing anything, or you know, there's nothing there. Yeah, there's nothing. And so, right. Myes will just end it.
3: But then, in that case, though, again,
2: you'd I want to be like alive because that's yeah. the only experience you can have, and you're right. rich, which is nice when you're alive.
3: That's why I feel like I'm not totally happy with the ending of her killing herself. I gotcha. Yeah. Kind of like. Hmm. But hmm. but then again, it's meant to, be, of course, be a mystery what she's. Of she course. Says, but I feel like they're also kind of demonstrating that there is potentially an afterlife of some kind because of, I mean, maybe not, but because of the way that they show her kind of travel down the tunnel of clouds, which could be something happening in her head. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And then she kind of like goes through the portal and kind of comes out. It's a kind of psychedelic. She sort of comes out the other side of the portal And then I think that's around when they do the thing with her eyes where we sort of come back. And so, I mean, it's vague where it's like maybe this is an experience in her head or maybe it's a real experience. But again, I think it goes back to the problem of uh, that this could just be a near-death experience. And people in real life, people debate about real near-death experiences because it's like, Is this just something your brain is going through as you die, or are you actually having some sort of actual supernatural experience? Mm -hmm.
2: So how about this? Oh, uh, T, you got something?
1: Well, I was just going to say, like, before, you know, I go over the potential reasons. you know, we do have some, like, back and forth between Mademoiselle and, uh, for lack of a better term, like, the the assistant uh, in this case. So he's basically asking her... Uh, about like okay well was it clear and she basically just tells him like yeah it's crystal clear uh and you know it's admitted of like no interpretations uh and the guy like starts to walk away that's when mademoiselle like calls him back in this case and he asks you know uh are you alright and you know when she when she pulls the trigger like right before that uh you know she asks him like well could you imagine what there is after death and he basically tells her, like, no. And then she tells him to, like, keep doubt. And that's when she pulls the trigger to k- kill herself, like, in the bathroom here. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, we, we don't actually, you know, we hear the gunshot off screen. Uh, and, you know, like, it's th- there's a couple of different, like, ways you can read the scene. Uh, you know, one, like, there there was no vision at all uh, in regards to, to Anna's part. Uh, and Mademoiselle just can no longer live with... The knowledge of having you tortured and killed all these women—you know there was like fifteen plus victims at this point in time—and you know all of that ended up being in vain. Uh, The the other one is you know you can continue like okay there was no great vision but you still wanted to keep the cult alive in regards to um, well one you would die with the secret but then the cult is still bound to continue the research uh, in this case. uh, so in that case, like Mademoiselle is basically becoming a martyr in her own right in regards Ooh. to like the cause uh, or, you know, in the case that, you know, there is something uh, towards the end. Uh, you know, maybe it was just so great that Mademoiselle could just like not wait to discover it. So she ends up killing herself. I don't really like that interpretation of it, um, but there's also the fact of maybe she didn't want to share the answer. Uh, or the knowledge with anyone else either. Maybe she just wanted to keep it to herself.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm really liking the idea. Now that we keep talking about it, I'm trying to think about the amount the kind of motivation that a woman like her would need to kill herself. And so I'm wondering if potentially uh, uh, an outcome that we that, I, that that sounds logical would be that when she was talking to Anna, Anna said such a thing that made it obvious that she was hallucinating. So she said something that was so uh, disappointing and not that, and no answer either way, no confirmation of an afterlife, not even a sense that she got there. It's more like we tortured her to a point of insanity and she's hallucinating now, mm-hmm. like the others did, and is so disappointed because this is the closest that they've, this is the, this is the, uh, the experiment that has been the most successful. And how can you, and, and uh, 100% successful, let's call it 100% successful, to say that any other, uh, any other person that they could get to this point would react the same way, would get to the same level of martyrdom. But so if it's basically, if, if maybe she understands that even Ana's hallucinating, then she understands that there's no point in continuing the experiments. There's no point in continuing her research. She doesn't give a shit about the rest of the people because a person who would do this kind of thing in the first place is already a very selfish person. Like Mm -hmm. she doesn't really give a shit about whether or not the rest of the, the people that fund her research get their answer. She's more interested in herself getting that answer. And so goes to the bathroom, takes off her makeup and shoots herself because she's a very old woman. She doesn't really care to live anymore. You know, the pleasures of life have sort of like lost their shine, their sheen or whatever and it's over the, the experiment failed and we don't have an answer it doesn't look like there's an afterlife so fuck it i'm gonna go ahead and end it so that i feel like that ending kind of matches all the motivations involved
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. just by the way your camera switched off at the moment but uh you know it's still working though but, Uh oh but um but yeah definitely and because their experiment is flawed ultimately You know, they're arrogant, rich people, so they figure they can pay to make this stuff happen, to get real answers. But they can't, though, really, because you can never know whether... Oh, your camera's back on again. Um, You can never know whether what the person who's being tortured is saying is actually... True. Yeah, if it's actually real or a hallucination... Or a lie. And and, and they, you know, won't even recognize, it's like they won't even acknowledge or recognize the fact that, like, if you torture someone to that point, I mean, even the woman, the Mademoiselle woman says herself that, like, people reach the point where they start seeing monsters and start uh, having hallucinations and stuff. So it's like she should have even recognized herself that when you torture someone like that to that point, like they could see anything or experience anything and, and what they're telling you you can't really trust that uh, it's going to be real info
0: mm-hmm. But
3: but I like the fact though it still works for me though too because the people who do this experiment and pay to make this happen are super rich and arrogant and think that they can get these answers by doing this you know but and won't we'll acknowledge that it's just like what they're doing is ultimately bullshit. You know,
1: it's like... Yeah, it's, it's very easy to to see, like, the possibility of after, you know, doing these trials for 15 years to, like, seek answers, like, to what happens after uh, life that, you know, you could just be easily blinded uh, by whatever was being told to you as long as it would, like, fit your narrative uh, in this case.
3: And this is the kind of thing, too, by the way, that it would not surprise me and i'm probably i'm reasonably sure that groups like this probably do exist and do do uh-huh. in real life uh because absolutely it's just like those ultra wealthy people like get up to some insane shit, uh because they have the money to basically do whatever they want so it's just like oh
2: and the Whatever. arrogance, well, maybe not arrogance. I won't call it arrogance. I'll call it self-confidence, <laughs> <laughs> and the self-confidence to believe that um, you are smart enough and have enough resources to make discoveries that that are not that don't have a foundation of legitimate, or I don't know. Uh, I was gonna say legitimate science, but maybe the better word would be. Uh, proven science or, you know what I mean? Because it, it's interesting. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't really think there'd be a connection to this, but, um, I've been reading Frankenstein. I've never read it before. So I started reading it it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, like you've got Victor, uh, uh, Victor Frankenstein, who he's just a, he's just a, some dude at school <laughs> mm-hmm. and he just starts studying, you know, you know, uh, life and death and, and, uh, and 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 he has again like the self confidence and a little bit of money enough to like go ahead and just start doing experiments and and actually have a breakthrough and I can't I'm mean, I'm guessing that's I mean that's that's how a lot of you know science got started of course but to you know to have an idea that at this late stage <laughs> you can figure out something about the afterlife by doing something like this they didn't even try to hook her up to some sort of computer probes to read the brainwaves man. Mm-hmm. I know,
3: yeah, they should have hooked her up to, like, the the brain reading (laughs) measure, because they do have, like, a scientific-looking lab set up down there Mm -hmm. um, that they were kind of using science, you know, the idea is they were using science to try to figure this out. But, yeah, it was a little bit not as scientific as it probably should have been. And but again, that
2: academic. sort of idea that like people with money and uh, the confidence to to use it uh, can go ahead and start their own experiments and
3: mm-hmm. do their own research. <laughs> yeah, and do research that would be unacceptable in normal, uh, like, in the normal academic world because you right. can't obviously experiment on people in that way. Uh, but they do, of course. But yeah, no, but ultimately, like, the flaw of the fact that and when she says, she uh, says, keep doubting, because ultimately, like, if you're part of this group and you're doing this, then you doubt whether you're coming from a place of doubting whether there's an afterlife. Because if if you thought there, if you were, like, a really religious person and you thought there was an afterlife, you wouldn't need to do these experiments. You would just be sure you would believe, yeah. so, so these are definitely people who are not really religious or and don't really believe in that kind of stuff, but are using their power and money as a way to sort of brute force, find out if this is like a real thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. And I just feel like you would think that, well, this isn't based on any type of logic, but maybe... Some people would feel uh, if they're in that position where they're pretty evil and pretty rich, you don't want there to uh, be a, an afterlife that is uh, the, the kind of afterlife that mm-hmm. is taught in in religious uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in religious dogma or whatnot. I mean, you the circular sort of idea of, you know, death and and, 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 uh, an afterlife and and maybe even rebirth is, you know, that's, it's a good, it's a good story for somebody who's not having the best time (laughs) on earth, but if you're having a great time just hurting people and and being filthy rich, you kind of don't want it to stop. You just want it to be like one
3: straight line. (laughs) Yeah, and you don't want there to be an afterlife where you could be punished for your right?
2: Mm-hmm. Or where you wouldn't have the same status or, or resources that you have in this one.
3: Well, yeah, and you can't use your money and wealth to buy your way out of that situation if you go to hell, if there's actually a hell. You know, so uh,
2: maybe like these people are, you know, investing in this research out of fear. Although, or maybe they're just it, by the idea of like, you know, having the ability to find out if there is an afterlife.
3: I, yeah, no, I think it's it's just uh like I say, like it wouldn't surprise me if this existed in real life, uh that there's a group doing this. Uh and I think it's just literally that there are a lot of ultra wealthy people who have the same kind of interests that a lot of people have in the supernatural world and the afterlife, and they think to themselves, you know, I have the money and resources to actually do things to try to, like, find out if this is actually real and I'm going to spend money to actually do this and make this happen. You
2: know, you don't even need a bunch of rich people. There's been so many serial killers and know, totally. kidnappers and other people that just heard in general that I feel like somebody would have like, you know, found out if this was how you found out.
3: Mm-hmm. Not to mention uh, the movie, uh, the Kevin Bacon movie, uh, Flatliners. Oh yeah. Which is about a a bunch of medical students who, medically induce death in, they cu- medically cause each other to die, to have near death experiences, to try to answer whether there's an afterlife, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, and they're not using the martyr method. They're just inducing near death experiences uh to try to, to answer the same question. You know, which the is title I letters like, is so cool. <laughs> I feel like ultimately, that you, if you're gonna try to do this experiment near the near-death near death experiences, is a far easier and more reliable method to use than, uh, than this kind of torture uh, martyr method. But it, but but it's cool. Like not I'm just like nitpicking. But um, but I do I like the kind of uh you know secret satanic uh like the secret satanic group of ultra rich people, which this kind of is. Like, you have to feel like that, uh, if you've ever heard of the Hellfire Club, which is uh, in England, like back in the Renaissance and Middle Ages, I think, uh, you know, uh, which was a group of ultra rich people who were basically like Satanists and would do whatever they wanted uh, and, you know, live kind of, you know, do. Literally, just doing whatever they felt like. But uh, one of the funny things that's kind of related to this that they would do—you uh, were talking, you know—we were talking about like the afterlife and would people like this want to find out that there's actually a heaven and hell? Um, is that uh, in real life, like the pe- the Hellfire Club and the people who would do this back then? The, I don't know if, if Satanists still do this, but uh, they would actually make a point of they would live by this kind of satanic lifestyle, doing whatever they wanted and being evil and everything, knowing that when they got to the point at which they were going to die, that they could uh, recant everything and accept Jesus, and then they would be allowed into heaven because... That was the rules. rules. Right, that's the rules. The the (laughs) Christian dogma is that if you... Uh, you know, accept Jesus and say you, you know, regret everything and and you want to be good, then you have to be accepted into heaven. And So they would actually do that. Like they would be like, okay, now on my deathbed, I recant everything.
2: I I got one better. I'm pretty sure in like a Mexican branch of Catholicism, there is a saint. There's a, a saint that you put on a rope and you put on your, you know, you wear like a necklace and um i think if you die wearing it you're fine <laughs>
3: and, and there's like you
2: know people that just never take it off even during a shower so yeah totally
3: so it's like no matter what you do or what happens you're always good to go yeah my
2: grandpa figured this shit out
3: <laughs> <laughs> the cheat code
2: yeah so i mean t and in uh, all of your studies and well, not all of your studies, but when you use this this movie as subject matter for for your report and <laughs> the, that class, I mean, what other what other uh, um, this, what would I say? Revelations? Did you find in the movie, or what else did you did you find super interesting?
1: I mean, that that was basically my my whole talking point for for the movie it was red pill versus blue blue pill in okay. this case. You right. know, it wasn't it wasn't like a super lengthy paper? It was just something I wrote for English. Okay. It was like a senior <laughs> I like, paper. I wrote my thesis for this five No, it's not like a college <laughs> thesis.
3: <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely um the kind of yeah, the like, you know, they're trying to find out what the real deal is with the world and everything.
0: It's a
2: great thought experiment for sure. And uh and a, I I think a really good movie and you know, yeah, really divisive for sure
3: mm-hmm for sure yeah like those 30 minutes the brutal uh, yeah and definitely like where people would just be like uh like i i can't deal deal with this because mm-hmm. yeah it goes to a different level and with that part and uh and yeah and like the pace of the story and everything kind of slows down so it's just like i can definitely see you know i i enjoy the movie more in retrospect but uh but,, uh, I definitely, during those thirty minutes, was just like, "Oh my God, come mm. on. Like I want, like, please, can we kind of get back to things happening and not just have the guy beating her up and then force feeding her pea soup? Uh, but, and I was like jokingly, like, it would be I was thinking like it would be hilarious if that food that pate or paste they made actually tasted really good. it looked looked terrible but it tasted awesome and it was like like, oatmeal
1: i i was waiting like on the first watch to see her like throw it up or like spit it out and then the guy Mm -hmm. have her like lick it off the floor but they didn't go that direction
3: no no i know she spit it out so much during that section that Mm -hmm. i was like why even just don't even bother trying to feed her she's obviously just gonna spit out
1: there you gotta get your supplements in okay
3: yeah, they got it. Well that was maybe a nit, another nitpick was that uh they were kind of showing how these previous experiments were long-term things but then when they grabbed up Anna they kind of just you know were able to accomplish what they needed to accomplish seemingly pretty quickly that you know, that 30-minute section probably, I felt like, was maybe, like, a week or several days, you know?
1: Well, I mean, I, I guess part of that would be she'd already endured so much, like, dealing with the aftermath in regards to, like, her best friend. Mm-hmm. Like, so she was already kind of tormented just in, in a different way.
3: Yeah, true, true. She was already getting primed for it. But yeah, and then my other nitpick is going back and kind of once I knew everything going on and then going back and thinking about the beginning of the movie, I was kind of like, wait a minute. Why would they have those experiments in that abandoned warehouse area where the young girl, young uh, Lucy escaped and ran out and found people? In the second half, you know, later in the movie, we it's the underground lab underneath the house, which is in the middle of nowhere with no neighbors, mm-hmm. which makes far more sense than doing these experiments in some abandoned warehouse district.
2: Well, old lady says that they weren't so organized back then, 15 years ago. So it gives the impression that the experiments have only been going on just over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. 17 years. <laughs>
3: I guess we, so basically Lucy and that other woman were almost like among the first right people, the first people to be to be taken for the experiment. Ooh. But it did feel like and another little nitpick I have to do is that when we get all that intro stuff about Lucy where she's a kid, we see her escape and then we kind of get the found footage of her kind of recovering as a kid and then all that it did feel like you know, like we she really got built up as the main character. So, like, on one hand, it was kind of a cool twist when she got killed, but on the other hand, it kind of felt like three quarters of this movie was based around her and her experiences. Yeah. and then we you know, switch at the last moment to, and great
2: uh, casting, both the little girl and grown up Lucy really incredible actresses.
3: Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah,
2: yeah. more Lucy as she was grown.
1: All right. Well, what else we got, guys? Cool. Yeah. No, I I... I don't know. That's basically (laughs) it for me.
2: That's it. That's
1: martyrs. Martyrs. Definitely go check out. It is available to stream on Shudder along with some of the other new French extreme wave. Uh, Inside is among them. Same with high tension. Uh, I think lipid is also on there as well. Uh, Came out like kind of like the start of the month. Uh, So it's been on there for a few weeks. Uh, But looking ahead next week, uh, Grindhouse Zombie had the selection. He should be with this next week. Uh, He picked Animal Horror for uh, the next movie. Of course, that would be the original one, the one that came out in 1979, uh, directed by Stuart Rosenberg. So we'll be diving into that one next week. Uh, You know, did fairly well in the box office on, you know, we're in like a $5 million budget uh, came back with 86.4 million so uh you know held up pretty good but that being said Animal horror is also one of those franchises um if if you go on Wikipedia and uh, you know you look look at the list just add them all up and uh we'll talk about that wow. next week because this is one of the most oversaturated franchises oh, wow. in cinema.
3: Yeah, not only sequels, but like spinoffs.
1: Spin- yeah, like, like like themes unrelated. on this property that are not even associated with the original.
3: Yeah, completely <laughs> unrelated movies, spinoffs, things that are not even part of the mm-hmm. main sequel timeline timeline, right. of which there are even a bunch of those movies in, in the main timeline as well. Mm hmm. Definitely.
1: So yeah, we'll be deep diving into that uh, next Wednesday. Uh, but in the meantime, of course, if you guys are looking to keep in contact with us, you can find us over on Twitter at handle with scare. You can also reach us via email at handle with scare pod at gmail.com. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, you enjoy your weeks. Uh, again, we'll be streaming. uh full horror next Tuesday on my kick channel at kick.com forward slash totally drunk uh, and Twisted Tuesdays are every Tuesday starting at 7:30 p.m. Pacific time. Um, I had Kickstaff like hop in again uh, this week, you know, and I, I thought it was interesting because you know I've been streaming with like no cam on, but I've had like a microphone on to like do commentary to you know get around uh, free use. And they're basically like telling me they were asking me like if I was watching something on YouTube. I'm like, you, no, we're we're not on YouTube uh, in this case. But then they're just like oh, well, you need to have, like, a cam or an overlay for, for the stream. I'm like, oh, that's that's good to know. Because initially, they just told me I needed to have one or the other. Uh, so I'll have to do an overlay uh, for the stream next week, but that shouldn't take too long. Uh, but at least this staff member was a little bit more communicative. Uh, better at communication, because a lot of times, like, they'll just pop in, they'll say something, and they'll dip. Or, like, they'll stay in the channel, but they're just only, like, lurking, and then they won't respond to you, but... Uh, whoever I was dealing with yesterday was actually uh, responding to some of the questions I had. So uh, good on that staff member. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those cases where it's just like, it seems like there's just a blanket direction given by the higher ups. And then, you know, it, it trickles down, but then like, you know, you're just hearing different things from different people. And it, it gets kind of, uh, kind of confusing in that regard. But we, we had a good time last night watching this movie, uh, and you know, I, I'm I'm sure we'll have another good time next week. And Bob, uh, lonely Bob, one of our patrons, is going to have the the final selection for the month. I think I think he picked one of the newer Shutter releases. I'll have to double check uh, on that front. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to episode 111 of Handel with Scare. I've been your wow. host, totally drunk, joined as always by my co-hosts Holly and Sean, and we'll be back next week. You guys, take care.